Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, June 16th. We begin with a look at the largest net zero housing development in Alberta, which just happens to be here in Calgary. We speak with Chris Williams, VP of Avalon Builders, for a look at the differences in a net zero home versus a traditional build. Next, we continue our discussion surrounding net zero housing, but this time through the retrofitting of an older home. We learn about the process of incorporating green technology into your current house from Stephen Farrell, president of Vertitech Energy Management. What are the challenges still facing the LGBTQ plus community as it continues to fight for equality? We discuss with a professor of sociology and anthropology from Carleton University. And finally, Father's Day, just a few short days away. Are you still looking for the perfect gift for dear old dad? Well, we've got you covered. We check in with Danny Boom from Showcase for some gift suggestions just in time for dad's big day. And what does a net zero home look like? With some details on houses of the future and Alberta's largest net zero multifamily community, we're joined this morning by Chris Williams, vice president of Avalon on Master Builders. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's talk about, first of all, what is a net zero home? Yeah, so a net zero home uh, most commonly, I guess, is known as a a home that produces as much energy as it consumes. Um, But uh, lately, we've been talking more about uh, the fact that these are quieter, healthier, and more uh, comfortable homes as well. All right, we can talk about the attributes. Let's talk about you know something that's on everybody's mind these days. What's coming out of pocket? How much does a new net zero home cost? I'm sure there's a range. Yeah, there's for sure a range in the uh, the townhomes that we're building net zero. Uh, they're going to be somewhere in nine ish percent, somewhere less than ten. Um, but uh, w- what we've been talking about is net zero for zero dollars. And that being uh, that that bump you're going to get in your mortgage, you're also getting a uh, a drop in your energy bills. And mm-hmm. over the year, it's essentially a wash. Okay, so you're building a community. That's what you're mentioning with these townhouses. It's in Arbor Lake. So what do they look like? And, and sort of, you know, what makes them unique then? And, and to get to that net zero? Yeah, and uh, I guess what they look like is they're going to look like townhomes. The only thing from the outside that you're going to really see um, are the solar panels, of course. Um, but uh, really, how we, we get there, how we get these to net zero, is uh, we first do a computer model, like most things nowadays. We have our energy advisor go through and say, you know, where are we building these? Obviously, northern Alberta, southern Alberta require different uh, factors, and then they're probably going to tell us we need more insulation, both you know, under the home, up and over the home, uh, better windows. Uh, better mechanical or different, um, I guess, a different type of furnace. Um, and then, of course, they're going to tell us how much solar do we need in order to match the energy needs for that, that heating, cooling, and, and occupant load. I'm wondering, you know, Chris, uh, Avalon, we, we know the name. We know you folks do mm-hmm. all sorts of uh, great things when it comes to building. This is a, a project you're passionate about, the Net Zero community. Could building net zero homes become the standard for Avalon? I know that, uh, you know, you're always looking at the business models. Could this be something you folks go full on into in the future? Yeah, and and it actually is now. Uh, We've had a, we've kind of had this goal for 20 years uh, when the sort of second, when the kids took over from from dad uh, in this 40-year-old company. And we've been working towards this. And uh, we actually built 16 uh, net zero homes down in uh, in South Calgary, and that was really sort of the um, 
I guess, uh, what elevated us into, Hey, this is now something that is, uh, more affordable than it used to be. It's, uh, products have come down. We've figured out, uh, after many iterations, how to do this affordably. Um, and this project is the first of, uh, many that, uh, all homes, uh, that Avalon builds will, will be net zero. And, and there's a, another really key component to, to helping that happen too, which is on this project, uh, we've got a collaboration with the city of Calgary to expedite permitting, uh, essentially rewarding us for, for building net zero homes. And they created this pilot with us, uh, which would be rolled out to, to all builders, um, essentially, again, make, making it easier, making it quicker, uh, which takes out some of those costs of, of sort of committing all in uh, to a big project like this. So that's helped uh, immensely is that, that collaboration with the city. We'll direct people to avalonmasterbuilder.com. Thanks for your time this morning, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Chris Williams, VP of Avalon Builders. Well, you don't have to move to enjoy the benefits of green technology in your home. With details on what goes into retrofitting your existing home with green tech, we are joined by Stephen Farrell, president and owner owner of Verditech, or Verditech, my bad, uh, Energy Management and Consulting Incorporated. Good morning to you, Stephen. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. So I'm wondering, it, it might look like a daunting task. Maybe I have a, a 20, 40, 50-year-old house. What's the first step to retrofitting an existing home with green technology? What should we look at tackling first? Well, the very first thing really is to probably bring in a consultant who can actually prioritize everything for you. And the federal government does pay most of the cost of bringing in a consultant. And that is also what helps qualify people for the grants. So the idea that 20, 30, 40, 50 year old home is the absolute best candidate for these upgrades because the insulation levels aren't as good as they are in new homes. So that consultant can help prioritize. They don't tend to um, <clears throat> sell any product. They are there just to represent the client and help the client through the process. Can you tell us, Stephen, a little bit about some of the green tech, maybe the, you know, a couple of the most popular things that one might start with? Or, or do you have to kind of do a, a whole bunch of things in order to make it worthwhile? No, I wouldn't say you have to do a whole lot of things, um, but really it's an action plan. But some of the green tech, let's stay with the green technology, um, obviously is renewables, which everybody knows about, solar being one of the biggest ones. Um, and there's a fabulous grant of up to $5,000 to put solar PV or photovoltaic. So really, really generous grants on that. Um, the other one that people are starting to embrace is sort of really um, more the hybrid system, which is air source heat pumps. So as we know, they're trying to electrify the grid. So having maybe an air source heat pump as an alternative, so a hybrid system, gas and electric heating in your home is one of the technologies. But one thing I would want to add to that, one of the best things and one of the first things a homeowner really should do is reduce, let's talk electrical first. Make sure all your lights are LED. Make sure you've got some smart thermostat sensors in the house. Let's reduce the energy consumption and then we generate. And then on the heating side, let's make sure we insulating well, we've got good quality windows, we've got a house that isn't losing energy before we, make, before we worry about the actual heating system itself. The one thing I do want to highlight is under the incentives, um, furnaces, there are no grants for them, but it is still bar none the best change in your house. If you've got a mid-efficient furnace in Alberta, you should be changing that to 96 97%. There are no grants for it currently, but even if they aren't granted, it's still the best thing to do in your home. You're mentioning the grants, and obviously there's cost involved, like any investment. And, you know, if you look at it from a business perspective, the ROI, the return on investment. Stephen, when do we start to see 
this money coming back to us? How long does something like this take? Well, some of them, it's a bit of a loaded question in the sense of energy prices that we all know have just gone up exponentially recently, right? And we expect that that's not going to change. So my advice to my clients is invest now because it's not going to change. It's going to just get more and more expensive. So while the prices are lower, get your consumption down. Get control of how much energy you use. Because if you wait until energy is really expensive and you've got very little money left in the bank account because it's all being spent on utilities, you haven't got the money to do the upgrades. Now, with that being said, there are at least three incentive programs. There's one called the Canada Greener Homes Program. Um, which is a grand program that's there today, but there's also future funding programs that are absolutely imminent. We know the CMHC has initiatives coming sometime in the future. We know that there's a program called CEIP, which is the uh, Clean Energy Improvement Program, which the city of Calgary is embracing, um, to actually fund these. And these are talking substantial dollars with very, very low interest rates tied to your property tax. There are creative ways to make these, and what we call deep retrofits, and get control of that energy consumption. Stephen, we just got a text in from Matt who's asking for more details on how to access the grant through a consultant. So would you use a consultant, you know, as in your company, Vertitech? Is it sort of like getting an accountant because they know sort of the ins and outs of the that world a little bit better? Is, is it the same by getting a consultant for green tech for your home? It's actually not. Yes, it is in some respect, but it's also a mandatory component um, to have an energy evaluation done before you do these, the work, because the government, this is taxpayers' money when the government's giving grants. So they want an expert who's trained in the industry, and there's a number of companies, uh, Vertitech being one, Energy Experts is the, how you can find the energyexperts.ca. Um, but there's a number of different companies that can do this. The costs are really low, and about 75% of the cost of our services is actually covered by the government. So they can guide you down the path. The main thing is your consultant should not be also selling products because then they've got a conflict of interest. They need to be there to assist you. Um, so it's essential if you want to go after the grants that you do have a consultant to actually do the energy evaluation in advance. And the consultant also does an evaluation after you've done the grants, to uh, done the work, to be able to activate those grants. But that's that expert. You can ask any question that should be knowledgeable. I'm a mechanical engineer. Um, I do mechanical engineering. I do building envelope. Your consultant will be able to do those um, same, give you that same information, help you through the process. And then, Stephen, I don't want to scare people. You mentioned, you know, that the consultant probably shouldn't be selling products. That's something that should be a red flag. But, um, you know, are there scams in, in this arena? Because I would think it's the, it's the hottest thing. People want to save money. They want to do the right thing for the environment. Are there scams out there uh, surrounding the retrofitting? Absolutely there are. So that's why the homeowner must do their due diligence. Um, they need to make sure that the company is registered with Natural Resources Canada if they are looking for the grants because we have to be registered with them. Um, I would do some research on the company. Um, but, yes, don't just uh, assume that the person who maybe is selling furnaces or selling Sanaket is part of the Greener Homes. Generally speaking, um, the independent, independent consultant who does the energy consulting and should not be selling any products because of conflict of interest. And if in, if in doubt, contact Natural Resources Canada and they will tell you if that company is registered or not. Fantastic. Great information, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Stephen Farrell is president and owner of Vertitech, V-E-R-D-A, Tech, Energy Management and Consulting. And you can, again, find him online, energyexperts.ca. How green are you in your home, Sue? I know it's not a brand new home. It's beautiful. 
we uh, have got the whole team over there for a barbecue this weekend. Maybe I'm not yeah. sure, but uh, you <laughs> well, know, I won't be home. On a scale of one to ten, how green is your is your home? I don't think it's green at all. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know. Is yours? Well, we got the high efficiency furnace, which was there when we moved in. I don't know. If our, um, how do you know if it's high efficiency no, or not? The furnaces? Yeah. Oh, are they you, all? when you're buying, no, no, no. The high efficiency will uh, you know use less electricity and uh, I you probably pay don't more have for that. It. Um, and then last but not least, you know, like for us, it's the light bulbs, those small choices. Yeah, try so to do that. Try bulbs. to do that. Um, and then if, if it's consumption in the house, but as far as I need, I need some work on the insulation for mm-hmm. sure. There's also, and then they talk about the hot water tank going with the tankless. Maybe that would be something. We, we could, could do so much better, couldn't we? It- Pride Month continues in cities around the world. How can we continue to build allyship with the LGBTQ plus community here in Canada? With some insight, we're joined this morning by Alexis Shotwell, professor in the Department of Sociology and Anthropology at Carleton University. Good morning, Alexis. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Pleasure to be here. Appreciate your time. So, you know, in terms of obviously the community, I'm part of the community. We've come a long way for sure. But what are some of the biggest challenges still facing the LGBTQ plus community? Well, you know, some of the ways that I like to think about the challenges facing us, I'm part of the community too, are um, thinking about uh, how connected everyone's sexuality and gender is to each other. So, Sometimes there's a tendency to say, uh, those people over there are LGBTQ, two-spirit, or they're trans, or they're gender non-binary, and over here there's just normal straight people. Um, And I think that this way of thinking, sometimes we've organized around that. We've said, we're a community, um, we need to protect each other and stand up for each other. Um, But one of the things that I think is inspiring and exciting and that points a direction toward the future and really draws on our past, too, is to recognize that all of us have sexualities and genders that are maybe more complicated than just that simple, you're this or you're that. Um, So looking at some of the real challenges that we face now, um, you know, continued homophobia, anti-trans sentiments, the bathroom bills and things in the U.S. and U.K., looking at how people can stand together across complexity and across a difference is a really important lesson and a, a guiding star, I think. Dr. Shodwell, uh, you know, around this time, uh, this month, but, you know, throughout the year in the conversation, we use the term allies when it comes to the community. But, uh, you know, being outside the community for those individuals who, who want to be an ally, uh, and I don't want to be ignorant about it, they might not know the path to becoming an ally. So, so what can be done to, to, to structure that and to promote the allies for the LGBTQ plus community? Yeah, I love, I love this question. So one of the core things that everyone can do is um, feel less awkward about asking and more um, willing to listen and take direction. And so asking can mean um, if you notice something that's off in your workplace or school or there's someone that, you know, you think might need some, some help, you know, some material support or someone to stand with them. Um, you can say, do you want that support? Do you want that help? Um, this is also a matter of not necessarily making really strong assumptions. So I know sometimes now I assume that everyone I meet is queer. Um, but 
sometimes that's not, you know, that's not true. So having a sort of sense of like the people I encounter might not be straight, they might be questioning, they might be asexual, they might be non-binary. So sort of making it less of a big deal to say, um, I just want to make sure I'm getting your pronouns right, if that's appropriate, you know, in that space, mm-hmm. or not assuming that you know the gender of their partners or that they have a partner at all and or want to. So that kind of like just making it be okay to not be sure, I think is actually a good point of allyship. And then having a sense of like, if you're a straight person in a workplace and you see that someone keeps making homophobic jokes, that you be the person who says, oh, wow, hey, that's, that's not okay. Or, you know, I saw that you were trying to make a joke. We don't make those kind of jokes here. And that you do that even if you don't think any LGBTQ people are in the room, mm-hmm. right? So those are two easy things that allies can do that really change the sense and the vibe and make a difference. Doctor, we're seeing um, pride celebrations around the world, and, and it's beautiful to see the parades and all that. You know, the fun that everybody has. I, I, do you think that pride is is still important, and and can we do it better? Mm-hmm. I think pride is still important. I think it depends on where we are and how we do it. So, there's lots of critique of the corporatization of pride, and of the way that pride can become something that's a a spectacle that is only welcoming a certain kind of gay and lesbian subject. So um, there's been a lot of kink shaming this year, especially I've been seeing various places. Um, I'm really conscious. I lived in Sudbury for many years, a small town in northern Ontario, and pride there was much more a march. Um, It didn't feel like a a party in the same way. It felt um, like a, a place where you felt like People weren't necessarily friendly, you know, to you being there. So it depends on where we are. Um, But we're seeing some really interesting um, anti-capitalist prides happen. There's an abolitionist pride parade that is um, focusing on questioning pride, Toronto's connections with the police, given some of the racism that has recently been um, documented and long been known. So pride is complicated. um, And... Uh, how we do it, it really shapes what it is. Um, but still definitely a place for it. And I think I'm hearing from many people, like, look, we don't want to just have a corporate pride one month of the year. We want to have a way of living all year that allows everyone to have free and beautiful sexuality and gender in their life. I want to switch gears slightly, Dr. Shawwell, because, uh, you know, in the news, when you, when you talk about a news headline, how does it affect the different communities through our society? And, and particularly, the headline about monkeypox, uh, and it's at least partly been attributed to the gay community. So I'm wondering how problematic uh, that type of messaging is to the LGBTQ community when you hear that it could be attached to the gay community. And can we draw parallels to HIV AIDS as well, and, and maybe if it has a negative impact? Definitely. So I study the history of AIDS activism, and if people want to look that up, there's our website is AIDSactivisthistory.ca. So I think a lot about this right now, um, because in Canada, the linking of HIV and AIDS solely with the gay community, and initially also with um, Haitians and drug users, um, was incredibly harmful. And what we've learned in our, in our research is the incredible significance of people who were targeted for by homophobia around HIV and AIDS 
making a space for everyone to fight HIV together um, and to ultimately um, have much better science and much better ways of practicing being together. So right now with monkeypox, um, I've been really seeing some of the same things. So a stigmatization around um, the idea that it's mostly people who are having anal sex who are contracting monkeypox, and right away people in gay community starting to look and say, what are the actual health risks? How do we take care of people? How do we respond in a way that actually is um, non-stigmatizing and that acknowledges that it's not only men who have sex with men who are having anal sex, this is happening everywhere, and we're not even really sure all of the methods of transmission. So that's happening much faster than it did during Mm -hmm. the AIDS years, and that's heartening. But we do really need to be very conscious of that stigmatization, not only because of what it does to gay community, but because of the way it slows down understanding how to have correct health practices for everyone. Really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, Thank you very much for joining the conversation. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Dr. Alexis Shotwell, professor in the Department of Sociology, Anthropology at Carleton University. Again, that website she mentioned, AIDSActiveHistory.ca. Father's Day is this weekend, and as I've always said, it's the most important (laughs) day of the year. Should be a whole week. There are traditional (laughs) gifts, and then there are gifts that are a little different, and we've got those for you right now. Joining us is Danny Boom, head of live shopping at Showcase. You know the store. Good morning to you, Danny. Hi, guys. How's it going? Good, good. So we're getting down to the last minute here. We need some great ideas. And I want to kick uh, something off here uh, with, uh, I I would love this, and you see more and more of them, the electric scooters. You guys have us covered, right? Oh, very good choice, I would say, as (laughs) any Father's Day gift should be. Now, this is the cool thing. This is the Gravity Blade. It's a 10-inch all-terrain wheel of scooter. It's an e-scooter, as they call it. Now, you might have seen these in any metropolitan area. They have these for rent now. But why don't you have your own? Okay, this is a big-ticket item. It's just under $700. But I'm going to tell you now, guys, if you if your dad likes like just to get out and just wants to you know go around town or the neighborhood and he wants to even just pop down to the, the DQ to get an ice cream or something, jump on the e-scooter and away you go. Now, this is also really good because It's got 10-inch wheels. What that means is the 10-inch rubber wheels that are going to literally take a a really good beating. They also go up to a 42-degree angle incline. So the motor of the the actual scooter goes up to 18 miles, or 18 kilometers an hour. Excuse me, I always get my English to a Canadian (laughs) uh, uh, metrics done. But what you're going to see here is something that is going to be like that amazing gift that is the wow factor. And that's what we want to give Dad now. Okay, no more socks. (laughs) <laughs> no more, you know, no, no, no more ties. Yeah. Let's, let's get the wow factor in now. And that is what you're going to get with the e-scooter. I love that. Dad can go off-roading with that thing too. Okay, so as you said, high price ticket item, right? But you can go a little lower. Maybe you're on a limited budget. How about the uh, Dr. Squatch all-natural <laughs> bar soap for men? I love this. Sue, I, I don't know what that says about your... Uh, <laughs> the men in your life, but I'll tell you something. I, I always say this is for the, the smelly dad or the dad that wants to spe- smell, smell even more manly than he already does. So um, Dr. Squatch, you are all natural bar soap for men. Okay, what that means is all the ingredients are actually taken from the forests of Canada and they are then placed into a bar of soap. And you're going to get these great 
sense. And, and I'm seriously, you've got wood barrel bourbon, bay rum, pine tar, and cedar citrus. All of those are all naturally made. They're a bar of soap, and obviously that can take it anywhere with him, but you can smell manly and fresh wherever he goes. Yeah, that's that sounds manly. Yeah, I wonder if you yeah. can help me out with this, though, Danny, because I am a dad, and, and for me, I like to keep my car clean, but I'm also very cheap. I like to wash my car myself. But you're going to up our game when it comes to maybe cleaning the car in your driveway or even bikes. Right. This is the, yeah. So listen, this is the perfect thing for the outdoor dad who likes to take his mountain bike out or go kayaking and wash his kayak down or even wash the car. Okay. This is the Washer Jet Pro. This is a portable pressure washer. Yes, it's portable. So you can actually take it anywhere. All you got to do is charge it and go. It connects to any hose and it's going to give you that amount of pressure that you're going to need. So the cool thing about this is you don't actually have to plug it in anywhere, right? So you can take it and you don't have to like stretch uh, an extension cord anywhere or anything like that. You can just literally take it to next to where you are working. And I'm going to say it's perfect to carry anywhere. It's powerful. It's cleaning. And literally, you can do your windows, your gutters, your car, your bikes, your kayaks. Um, you could even wash the kids down after them playing <laughs> out in the dirt. It's going to be perfect for them. I love it. So many great options at Showcase. And actually, I think uh, this one I like as well, the snack tiv. It's finger chopsticks. So <laughs> when you're eating your snacks, your chips or whatever, you never actually get your fingers dirty. Dads can eat like the savages that we are. Thank you so much, Danny. <laughs> Appreciate it. See you guys. See you soon. That is Danny Boom, head of live shopping at Showcase, online at shopatshowcase.com. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.